Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 2nd, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, Come Away. It was a gorgeous Colorado day. The air was brisk and clear, the sky warm and blue. The sunshine made the snow glisten crisply under our feet. It was the kind of day that makes life actually feel as spiritual as it really is. In the thrall of such brilliance, every breath is exuberant. The physical exertion of a hard downhill snow ski run heightens the sense of being alive in a world of infinite complexity and beauty. It's a long story, but Amy and I were in Vail with a group from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, one of the stints of our ministry that can accurately be called suffering for Jesus. We worked for 19 days for the Vail Valley Foundation, which sponsored the 1987 World Alpine Ski Championships. Our ski jobs were just a guise for being able to do a little Southern Baptist evangelism with all the heathens in the streets those days. In her day job, Amy worked in the International Communications Office with sports reporters from all over the world, helping them to send updates and reports via fax machines to newspapers around the globe. And each morning at 6 a.m., I was on the snow, hanging advertising banners along the downhill runs, preparing the course for that day's televised coverage. On one of our preparation days, a member of our, uh, the members of our seminary team who worked on the mountain were joined by a Baptist veteran of student ministry named Woody Hammett. Woody is a legend in the world of Baptist Student Union and an avid snow skier. Standing atop one of those gorgeous runs and looking across the shimmering world, Woody opined that snow skiing is, and I quote, the most sensual experience in the world. Well, I made some sophomoric attempt at a joke about him comparing snow skiing to sex, but Woody quickly defended his priority for the sport which incorporates all of the senses, Woody said with emphasis. Of course, there is more to sex than the physical sense of touch, but I took the elder statesman at his word, and I have proven his wisdom many times over in the moments that I have found myself fully immersed in a slice of real life suddenly overwhelmed by awareness of the sensual experience of it all a downhill run amid snow-capped evergreens. I love that. Barefoot water skiing across a glass-smooth lake at sunset. I love that. The smell of the forest and the sea while walking along the five coastal path in Scotland. The Blue Ridge Parkway on a Harley. The shuddering power of a full brass company front when a drum and bugle corps makes the first fortissimo hit in its show. Beethoven's Ninth, Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. 
reading the Christmas story from Luke 2 amid all of my family and wrapping paper and presents on Christmas morning. The worst congregational singing ever as the people of Resurrection Baptist Church try to compete with the volume of the music coming from that bar just across the street in Carlos Rojas, Cuba. What a sensual experience. A series of emails as I engage with any of you in conversations that matter, theology or church life or, politi or the politics of cultural change, the smell of a baby when I walk him down the aisle to introduce him to his church family, listening to a good sermon, listening to a good sermon, being inspired by a beautiful anthem, observing the hush of quiet as a congregation keeps silence in honest reflection together. Life is filled with sensual, exciting, passionate experiences. I love that. In the fine sermon Dr. Tim Moore preached this summer from this pulpit, a sermon dedicated to one of your requests for a sermon on the Song of Solomon, Tim points out the blatantly sexual nature of that text. Reading the song in church is about like watching a movie with your parents or with your teenagers when the scene gets a little too hot and the lovers start taking off their clothes. Our sons have told us they can watch two dozen movies without a sex scene and let them sit down and watch a movie with mom and dad and it happens every single time. <laughs> the Song of Solomon is a love song and it's not a metaphor, it's about sex. Tim Moore says it plainly, probably too plainly for some folk in the American church today. He says this is a book in the Bible that solely focuses on the sexual intimacy of two young lovers. What makes it more radical is that they are not married and they are not having sex to procreate. This is a sexual affair by two young people in love whose interactions are solely for the sake of their enjoyment. The sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s had nothing on these two. The sexual freedom of postmodern Western lifestyles could actually learn something from them. The writer of this text, and Tim says she is probably the only female writer to be found in the Bible, the writer of this text and the editors who decided which text to leave in the Bible, they apparently believed that sex was a good thing, a thing worth celebrating, and that sex has something to do with our relationship with God. And why not celebrate sex in the church? We celebrate it in every other aspect of our cultural life, in books, and movies, and clothing styles, and advertising, sex is everywhere. The vast majority of popular music in all cultures is, and always has been, a celebration of romantic attraction and the sexual experience. The opening meditation in today's bulletin is a love ballad by one of Amy's and my favorite singers. 
We found her music years ago, and this song that I printed in the bulletin was, a, was part of the inspiration of our summer of sabbatical 2009 when we took our two boys with us on three pilgrimages around the globe. Come away with me. Yes, I love that. But Tim Moore says there's more to this steamy text. When he preached here, Tim also said to you, Maybe the lover's embrace of forbidden love still has something to say about marriage equality and other places where love is not allowed to simply be love. The woman longs for the day when her love for her lover can be openly expressed. That is a longing too many still have. One of Amy's most recent Christmas presents the last year or so was a CD by the musician Sam Smith. His music is searing and beautiful, every track deep and soulful. In one of the most beautiful ballads on Amy's disc, he sings this prayer. Holy Father, we need to talk. I have a secret that I can't keep. I'm not the boy that you thought you wanted. Please don't get angry. Have faith in me. Say I shouldn't be here, but I can't give up his touch. It is him I love. It is him. Don't try to tell me that God doesn't care for us. It is him I love. It is him I love. I told Amy just recently, after listening to this anthem celebrating same-sex same sex love, that despite the moment in which we live, a dispiriting, frustratingly backward-looking chapter in our cultural life, a moment that is giving priority to a decidedly conservative voice in policy and religion, I said to her, despite this, we are not going back. The tide has turned when popular music, music that our children can buy off the shelves in a local music store, when the music of the culture can openly celebrate homosexual sexuality, we will not go back. Thank God. It is him I love. Sex is implied in Sam Smith's song, but there is something much deeper it is the passion of desire and connection and relationship. Homosexuality, just like heterosexuality, is not about any sex act. It is about the soul-deep connections that mesh bodies and souls together in a union of spiritual togetherness. Sex is everywhere. We can and should talk about the abuse of sex our, culture, our culture's overindulgence in ways that can poison the beauty of it. But sex is not going away. It's always been here. I don't need to tell you, none of us would be here without it. But Woody was right that day on the snow. Sex and sensuality are not synonymous. Sex is a subset only a fraction of the range of sensual experience. In his book, Creation, 
The world-renowned biologist E.O. Wilson talks about all of the beautiful creation that human beings miss because our eyes see only a slight fraction of the spectrum of light. Because our ears are attuned to hear only a narrow wavelength of the sound spectrum. Because our noses can only detect a small portion of the myriad smells of the, that the universe produces. Likewise, as good as sex can be, as essential as it is to a wholesome and healthy, enduring relationship, individual human beings can live without sex, but no one can live without passion. What is your passion? What makes you say, I love this? What makes your heart beat, your world go round? What floats your boat, puts a lilt in your step, takes your elevator to the top floor? What do you go to bed dreaming about and wake up thinking about? Passion comes in as many shapes and sizes as nature can produce. I heard passion this week in a eulogy delivered by Joe Biden for his political foe and his lifelong friend, John McCain. It was good to hear passion, not anger, from a national leader. Passion, not pettiness. Virtue, not vitriol. The nation needs to be inspired by the passion of integrity and honor and valor, and by the example John McCain set for civic responsibility, his undying commitment to make the nation better by bringing us together in dialogue. We need that passion today. What is your passion? I've shared several of mine with you in this sermon, one of which is engaging issues with you. I spend a fair amount of my time doing that, mostly by email conversation. When Amy and I were ordained, our favorite seminary professor, Dr. Molly Marshall, preached our ordination sermon, and as the congregation came forward to lay their hands on our heads, their prayers on our hearts, Molly knelt in front of me and she looked me in the eye and she said, Russ, never forget the importance of disciplined thinking. Her challenge has always been with me. And I was thinking of it this week when I was talking with my new friend and church member, John Leger. Who is God? What is God? And what is God not? And how do we defend the nature, even the existence of a God in a millions of years history of pain and suffering on this planet? Well, I'm sure my answers were not adequate. Who can explain God? And does God really need defending? But what I was trying to say is that I believe God is the more in this universe of infinite time and depth and complexity and beauty. God is more than biological life, more than the motions of physics, more than the interactions of chemistry. Science now discounts the role of God at the beginning, but it seems to me that what theology has always really emphasized is God's role not just in the end, but in 
our end, as our end. God is our end, not a means to anything, but the very end we long for today, tomorrow, forever. As Robert Wright, the author, once said it, maybe God is to be found less as the Alpha and more as the Omega. God is what we can be, where the whole universe is going. Passion begins with our physical bodies, with sensual experiences that connect us to a material universe in almost magical ways that stimulate and excite the receptors in our bodies, touch, taste, sound, smell, sight. A great meal, a lush symphony, a majestic painting, a bouquet of roses, a romantic touch, but there is more. Without it, without the more, sex is just the mechanics of bodies in motion. With it, sex is the intimacy of souls, a physical act of spiritual proportion. Tim Moore says these bodies of ours, growing, dying, maturing, aging, sexual, hormonal, these bodies connect us to powers beyond our physical experience. They connect us to love and justice and God. Passion is what connects our sensual experience of the world to God. Our passions carry us away from a physical world to another realm altogether. Come away. Come away to love, to justice, to God. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.